a fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. Um, last week I spoke on the show about Israel at the time that we spoke last week, two, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, um, last week was Shavuot, so this was already two weeks, and Israel was being attacked um, bombarded um, very, very, very uh, hectically, and we are now after a so-called ceasefire, but there's no question that um, a lot of ugly feelings have uh, risen to the surface, anti-Semitism, um, I'm personally aware of many people that have had various incidents um, so-called vengeance, whether physical vengeance, financial vengeance, business issues, etc., um, as a consequence from them being part of the Jewish faith and the fact that the Jewish state, the Holy Land, is defending itself somehow becomes a Jewish problem, and yet nobody's willing to admit the obvious, and that is that there is deep anti-Semitism. Now, I want to talk about anti-Semitism today. I have my own um, my own feelings about it. I don't think it's mine exclusively, but it's uh, been sitting on my mind for quite a while. And it's similar to what we spoke about yesterday, last week of, of, in regards to the Israel story, but it's a bit of a different angle. Because what happens is often when people address the anti-Semitism, and let's just be clear, anti-Semitism is anti-Jew, um, anti-Judaism. In other words, you hate the Jew or you hate the religion. And you couch it up and pepper it up in various other lovely things, as Chief Rabbi Sachs so eloquently said it. Um, first, they hate the Jewish religion, then the Jewish race, then the Jewish state, but ultimately, they never admit that they actually just hate the Jew. And always trying to rationalize it, because everybody tries to rationalize hate. Any hatred a person has, you know, if a person's a racist, if a person's a sexist, if a person is a... Any hatred of the other, by definition, they'll they'll never say that I'm a bad person. Nobody will ever admit to being a bad person. Nobody walks around saying, I was born to this world to do evil. Some people maybe don't think about it, but if they think about it, everybody would somehow give an excuse um, why they're doing what they're doing or a justification. In other words, I'm not a bad person. It's you that is bad, and therefore I have to hate you. Or it's not you that I hate, but it's what you represent. Blah, 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 blah. Lots of fancy language to couch a very simple idea. And that is hatred. But what happens often to people who are hated is a defensive approach, which makes a lot of sense. Um, to, To feel defensive from the hatred, to sit there going and saying, you guys are doing double standards, you're unfair, um, you guys are hypocrites, who are you to preach to us, uh, and all the other, you know, memes and tweets that you see many people in the community sending out. And it's a bit of a deja vu every few years, anti-Semitism raises his head, and we, we go with the same narrative, and that is why us, you guys are so unfair and miserable. And there's truth to all of that. But I often end up wondering if this defensive approach is getting us anywhere. In other words, 
What's defensive? Defensive is that you sit there walking around like a child in a playground. You know, the kid that's being beaten up or his lunch is being taken away and screaming, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Nobody walks into the courtyard and says, oh, wow, look at this kid. He's standing up for himself. <laughs> you, you never stand up for yourself. If, you know, if you try to – I see the world in many ways – as a playground. Um, in other words, it shouldn't be like that. In the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the real world, we should all be living by morals and ethics, but ultimately, a lot of what drives the world around the politics and people's perception is very similar to what happens in a classroom, in a playground. And if you had to ask yourself how we are reacting to the hatred, to the bullying, to the unfairness, um, you, what would you say? Would you say that we're doing it with um, confidence? That we're doing it in a way that will make sure it's never done again? Or are we doing it in a way that sits there saying, I am playing the victim? Again, I never believe in blaming the victim. The victim is never to blame for being hurt. But the victim does have opportunities to stop the hurt. So the question I'm going to ask myself and ask within the community is, is our approach, when we see all this hatred, when we see all this bias reporting, is our approach of defensiveness working? Is it the right approach? Is there another approach? What are your thoughts? I'd like to um, take a break of this little question and play a song, a song of confidence. It's called the Yid, the Jew, and kind of sets the tone of uh, the conversation I would like to have. Feel free to join 34519. Tweet at Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Shul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. It's 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson. And we've been talking today about a, no question, a sensitive topic. Something that obviously one radio show or one person can never cover and offer a holistic picture. But I definitely believe it's worth dipping our feet into just to have the conversation and to ask ourselves a simple question. Often when we talk about anti-Semitism, we're talking about why they hate us. Um, trying to almost find some kind of reason, like why in the world something would happen that would cause that. And the truth is that history has told us that there is no good reason. They might be excuses, but there's no good reasons. Excuses are just things that people do after the fact to justify their hatred. But anti-Semitism at its core doesn't make any sense. It's just a hatred. Um, and if, it, if, it, if, if it's a hatred that does make sense, it's definitely not something that we can do to change. In other words, changing who we are won't make us less hated, on the contrary. But that's, again, that's a topic on its own, and that is the idea why they hate us and um, exploring it from a historical, from a mystical perspective. But then there's a whole different conversation, and that is how do we as a community react to it? Obviously, you know, organizations like the Jewish Board, deputies um, standing up, fighting in court, um, doing reporting of various acts, protective um, work like CSO, 
and so many other good organizations that are, that are fighting the good fight are vital. And the question is, me and myself as a private community member, I could volunteer to CSO, I can support other organizations, but what else can I do? In other words, what should my approach be there? Once you know, we've set up the infrastructure to tackle this, what, what should be our general approach? And before the, sh- before the song, start exploring this idea, like maybe to see life, or at least this part of life, as a playground. A lot of people walk out of the playgrounds, you know, when they think back to junior, senior, primary school, maybe even high school, uh, the word bullying comes to, comes to mind, whether it was serious bullying, whether it was just teasing, boys being boys, girls being girls, etc. But very often the, it's not morality that dictates who becomes the class king or class queen. It's not morality that dictates, um, respect. It should be, and ultimately each person has their obligation to earn respect. But just coming and screaming, but we're immoral, doesn't earn respect by people who are amoral. If everybody is moral, then in a society where everybody's moral, then the person who's the most moral will naturally float to the top and be able to take the position of esteem amongst somewhat equals. But if the approach is that it's not necessarily morality that people are looking for, then it's a different question. You see, if you think about the recent war in Gaza and um, Israel, people, you know, try to turn it into two sides of morality. One side is defending themselves, Israel. The other side, well, ultimately, they're the victims, as we spoke about last week. And look at the, the death count as some simplistic um, interpretations. For example, Trevor Noah tried to take very simplistic that whoever has more um, death is the victim and whoever has less is the perpetrator. How ridiculous, but okay. So people will try to play the, the moral um, card on this topic. They'll try to sit there saying it's about morality. And yes, there definitely was morality involved. Um, Israel has the, not only the right, the obligation to defend itself. And no, the death count is not the definition of who is stronger and who's weaker and who's in the right and who's in the wrong. But ultimately, when, when I see these kind of things taking place, these flare-ups every few years, I see it as a playground. It's a terrible playground with huge consequences, death on both sides, um, and tremendous pain. But when I mean it's a playground, I mean that respect is earned like in a playground. And in the playground, walking around saying, Danny took my lunch, and I also deserve lunch, and doesn't, don't I deserve to eat my own lunch? <laughs> it's true. You're right, you do deserve to eat your own lunch, but no one's going to walk over to you and sit there saying, you know what, my boy, you're right, you do deserve your lunch. Come, honey. Nobody ever will stand up to you again because they know that's your lunch. No, the bully will continue driving them crazy, and then they'll sit there saying, oh my gosh, you went to, you know, you went to cry to the teacher that um, you didn't get your lunch. 
And it's not fair. It's not fair that that's the way the, the, the playground works. But ultimately, any of us who've gone through school, maybe, you know, pre, um, maybe these days bullies have been, bullying has been so ostracized that it's no longer there. I, I'd like to imagine uh, that that's the case, but I don't think so. But definitely, if you went to school a few decades ago when the word bullying wasn't even used, uh, you saw it. Either you went through it, you were a victim, you were a perpetrator, or you were a bystander. And each one of them has its own uh, issues. And you know, you know it, you know it from the, your experience, you know that respect is never earned by crying victim. Respect is never earned by saying, but I also have a right. No one is asking about rights. And that's one of the reasons why I get so irritated when like the, the whole argument in the war is like we have a right to defend ourselves. First of all, we don't have a right, we have an obligation. But more than that, that simple response is so defensive. So defensive. In other words, I almost feel like there's legitimacy to your attack, and therefore I have to defend myself. But there is no legitimacy to the to the attack against a country that is defending itself, and there is no legitimacy when the Palestinian side had received so many offers to build a Palestinian state and they never accepted it, and when a Palestinian state was created in Gaza in 2005, and then turned into a terror state within a year. There's no legitimacy. And the moment we engage, not from a place of condescending, I'm not saying you have to be condescending to the other side. And many many good people on both sides of the argument are open to listen and hear. But when you're dealing with people who are not willing to listen and crying victim doesn't work, then the question is, what does work? And again, I don't claim to be a professional. These are big questions. In other words, it's not a, it, I don't claim to be able to solve everything in the playground. And I don't uh, claim to have all the answers. But I do feel strongly that the answer of playing the victim is definitely not the answer. Being confident, being secure, not doubting ourselves. You see, that's what bullies do to victims. They make the victim often doubt themselves. Do I really have a right? Is it my lunch? Am I worthy of being in this school? Am I good enough? When we start doubting our connection to our homeland, when we start doubting the very fabric of Judaism, of of what it means to be Jewish, which unfortunately happens, and there is this, uh, thank God, not common, but existing reality of self-hating Jew. In other words, when we start believing that narrative, that's the worst. When you start actually buying into the narrative and then either you accept it or you defend it, you're engaging with the bully. And the bully needs strength, not apologetics. Strength doesn't mean being mean, but it means security in oneself. I remember when I was younger, I I would say I was a bit bullied. And I'm sure, you know, like, I'm sure I did my own mistakes to other people and maybe bullied others as well. But if if I have to look back on my uh, adolescence, my early adolescence, there was quite a fair share of bullying going on. And ultimately, people would, you know, use all these kind of slogans, don't take it personally, don't take it personally, and it never worked. Never worked. 
the only thing that eventually did work after a lot of processes when I actually stopped doubting my own self-worth. Once I became comfortable in my own self, the bullying stopped, not because the bullies became good people, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but because I wasn't, I wasn't available. I wasn't available. A person has to be confident in themselves. As a Jew, we've been around the block for quite a few, a few years. There's a good old joke about the Chinaman who they asked him what he thinks about the American Revolution. And he says, it's too soon to tell. It's only 200 years old. It's too soon to tell, 250. As Jews, we've been around the block, and we've, we've seen the stories, and knowing our history is extremely important. And one of the reasons it's so important is it gives us context and it gives us confidence. We have to stand up, we have to, we have to fight for ourselves, and we have to do it in the courts, and we have to do it by physically protecting ourselves. And that's why, again, a shout out to all the organizations that deal with it. And at the same time, supplementing that, complementing that. Being confident in our own narrative, being confident in our own story. Not for a moment starting to be the child in the playground who says, maybe the bully has a point. Maybe I am worthless. Unfortunately, what happens, we know we've seen cyberbullying and other things in the last few years causing suicides by teenagers, shaming. A lot of that cyberbullying is there. So it's not only in the playground. It's unfortunately one of the biggest downsides of the, the Internet. Not that the Internet can ever be removed, you know, but we're past that. But there's no question that one of the biggest downsides is comments, trolling, people, you know, bullying each other behind the screen. And the fact is that we cannot afford to start believing that narrative because the bully preys on weakness. And the bully preys on and trying to grab an opportunity of somebody who actually will buy into their narrative. Their narrative. Am Yisrael Chai. We're alive, we're well, we're healthy. And let no hatred and let no attack ever cause us an ounce of doubt in why we're here, in our mission, in our just cause, in our morality. Only when we come from a place of inner security and contentment can we then start engaging the world and hopefully see success. But as long as we're on defensive mode and doubting ourselves, I believe we don't stand a chance. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Show, and we've been talking about the rethinking the defensive approach. In other words, coming and you know screaming at the world when we see such unfair bias against Jews against Israel, and starting to scream. But we also have a point. It's true we have a point, but it's so defensive and it's so unappealing from a place of strength. In other words, it doesn't earn respect. It maybe earns compassion, but not respect. And in this world, um, respect is fundamental simply because you don't start up with somebody you respect, but you start up with somebody who you disrespect. 
Um, and I'm going to say something. It's my personal opinion. It's not just my personal. There's many that believe like me. And again, um, feel free to debate. Feel free to discuss. Feel free to send in. Feel free to counter it. But I believe that part of that defensiveness is in general the whole discussion that we often have about Land for Peace, where we're giving an option, that giving back our homeland is an option. That's a sign of weakness. It might be a sign of peace, but it's a sign of weakness as well. And you're pretty much telling the person, if you push hard enough, I'll give it to you. And besides the moral issue of we can't give God's land away, it's God's gift to the Jewish people, from a simply, you know, seeing the world as a playground, as we've been discussing throughout the show, you don't earn respect by saying, if you push hard enough, I'll give you my lunch. On the contrary, you're just encouraging more pushing. Our right to the Holy Land is not the Balfour Declaration, which was nice. It's not the War of Independence. It's not the Declaration of Independence. Our right to the land is that God promised us this land. The role of the Jew is not something the Jew made up. It was given to us 3,333 years ago at the foot of Sinai. And we were given the mandate to be a kingdom of priests, to be a light unto the nations, to be this, the voice of goodness, morality, kindness, to make this world a better place. It's ordained by God, not by any human being. And our right to our land and our right to our identity is, is, is God-given. And we don't come at this from a place of defensiveness. It's, a, it's just a stated fact. It's our land. There's, there's obviously room for others to live in the land. There's obviously room for peace. Of course. We don't want bloodshed. We don't want, us, we don't want one drop of blood spilled. Not Jew, not Arab, not anybody. But peace with an understanding. Peace through strength. Because we don't need to walk around the world trying to be liked. We need to walk around earning respect. And please God, liking will come as well. The time we earned the most respect was after 1967, the Six-Day War, when we showed our strength. Maybe it didn't make us liked, but it made us, it made us respected. Being confident in our narrative, being confident in who we are, and not buying into other narratives which are false, spiteful, hateful, or just ignorant is fundamental. And even if you see high-profile comedians or high-profile speakers, politicians, sending a, sending a narrative that, that at best is ignorant, at worst is false, uh, as malicious rather, it's important that we never doubt ourselves in that process. Because again, the moment we doubt ourselves, we become the victim. And the victim card is the worst card to play. Not only because it invites more bullying, but because it, it, it's, it's a poison to live with. You feel sorry for yourself. You feel like the world's against you. You feel like it's a, it's a problem that has no solution. But that's not the way we live. That's not the way we, we could afford to live. 
I don't believe anti-Semitism will ever go away 100%, please God, when Mashiach comes, it will. But I do believe we can tackle it. And I believe it is a problem that can be dealt with. But from a place of strength, from a place of inner security, the bully does step down when they're facing a child or an, a per, an individual who no longer takes their nonsense. No, it doesn't mean that the, the child who's standing up becomes the bully as well, because then you just become as much part of the problem. But you develop an inner sense of self, an inner security. And that's what, you know, as parents, when our child comes home and they say they're being teased in school, our first gut is to try to call the school and solve all the issues. And yes, if it's severe bullying, it's our responsibility. But sometimes it's just teasing. and It's just you can't teach your kid to avoid it. But what you could teach your kid slowly but surely is to develop a sense of self-worth. And as their sense of self-worth develops miraculously, not really miraculously, but naturally, organically. The bullying subsides, the teasing subsides, because there's, there's, there's no one to hear it. There's no one who is willing to buy into that narrative anymore. Many people have approached me the last few weeks and say, Rabbi, I cannot believe how hated we are. I cannot believe the anti-Semitism. Fortunately, I can. Um, just know too much of our history to, to be surprised by it. Uh, I've mentioned it before. Six out of my eight great-grandparents don't have a burial site because nobody knows where they're buried. Killed either by communists or Nazis. And obviously up in heaven, but here on this world, nobody knows where their physical remains lay. I'm not surprised by anti-Semitism. And I think surprise and defensiveness are unnecessary and they don't lead to anything. It's time for us to ask ourselves a simple question. Are we secure in ourselves? Because if we're coming from a place of inner security, validation, knowing our narrative and knowing our morality, then I believe we can tackle it. How exactly? Millions of ideas out there. I, again, I don't claim to have all the answers. But I do know that defensiveness is not the answer. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson. Wrapping up the show... Um, what I hope that, you know, if you've been with us for the last half an hour, 40 minutes, I hope it, it stimulated a thought um, to rethink, to, to ask ourselves a simple question. As we walk, you know, if we're people that are on social media, we're going around and we're trying to defend our narrative, if we're just getting WhatsApps um, over and over and over with, like, you know, repetitive narratives, Ask yourself a simple question. Are our narratives coming from a place of confidence or defensiveness? Defensiveness means you have something to hide. Defensiveness means an insecurity. There is no room for insecurity. It's unjustified, it's unnecessary, it's counterproductive. The anti-Semites are wrong. I don't have to justify them. I don't have to try to understand them. I have to be confident in the fact that it's pure hatred. The anti-Zionists are wrong. You could 
obviously disagree with various policies of Israel. But if you're against the Jewish rights to have a Jewish state in their ancient homeland, you're wrong. Morally, historically wrong. And only when we could come from a place of confidence, of inner security, can we then go and tackle this big black hole, this monster of anti-Semitism. This, you know, this dark space that just so, you know, consumes so much of the conversation, especially on social media. Never from a place of defensiveness. I'm Israel Chai. We're proud of who we are. We're proud of our narrative. It's our land. It's our people. It's our Torah. Jerusalem is our home. And finish off today's show with a beautiful melody about Jerusalem. Bahar Einu. Hashem, please let us see the future. The third Beit HaMikdash, the temple. Let us see better days, peace and security for all. Amen.